and welcome to another rousing edition of Trending Topics with BB. I am your humble host, Brooke Brown, hence the BB. Well, we are back for an exciting episode that's been a long time coming, as you will see in our conversation. But before I let you know who my wonderful guest is, I do want to remind you of the wonderful housekeeping that many of you still have yet to consider. No, uh, if you have Googled this podcast, Trending Topics with BB, I thank you. But... If you have not logged on to our official website, trendingtopicswithbbpodcast.com, what are you waiting on? What's cool about the website is you will find links to every platform where this podcast can be found in Podcastlandia, which is basically like 20 different platforms. But also you will find a link to our merchandise page within links to our partner, uh, Public, where if you would like to order some lovely trending topics with bb merch which is basically the logo on a shirt uh sticker or whatever may fancy you uh it helps this podcast because a little bit of those proceeds come back to me as the person who provides said podcast so i would appreciate if you at least give it a look um and if you follow our socials at tt with bb on twitter and instagram or trending topics with bb on facebook uh you will also notice that from time to time, we have a little bit of a discount on merchandise. So one is coming up very soon, so feel free to follow on social media. Well, thanks again uh, for following this podcast, listening to it wherever you may be in the world. Like I mentioned, I have a wonderful guest that has been a time, long time coming. Uh, we've been trying to make this conversation happen for <laughs> over a year, as you will hear. Uh, I'm talking about a wonderful uh, trance producer and now friend his artist name is Farius we talk about where that comes from and he talks about his background and all kinds of lovely stuff in our conversation so I give you my wonderful chat with Farius awesome so thanks Adam or as people know you as Farius um for joining my podcast uh you're welcome um we briefly met uh in at Miami Music Week. At oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, last year, right? Yeah, we, we briefly met for like minutes at Christina Sky's United We Groove party. Yeah. Um, and then we, I was gonna try to, that, it's crazy during Miami Music Week, so it's hard to kind of meet everybody, but it's, I'm glad that uh, we were able to do this because a lot has happened in your world of, you have a new <laughs> yeah. album show and you were, I know. Uh, you were, didn't you have a guest mix last week on, uh, Group therapy, so we'll talk to that. Yeah, I was just on, on group therapy last Friday and, and believe it or not, I was meant to be in Amsterdam the day before on a state of trance with Armin and Ruben, but obviously um, there are no flights or there are the borders are shut so at the moment, obviously. So there was no there was no state of trance for me, but uh, ABGT last week was great. But yes, no, I do remember Christina's party last year. That was loads of fun. That was probably my favorite show of Miami Music Week and, and actually maybe one of my favorite shows of 20. 19 because it was it was it was insane i was it was just such a good vibe wasn't it yeah i think that was one of my favorite parties i mean i mean i went to a lot of parties but uh-huh. well i i think that the vibe at that party is unlike any of the other ones because a, it's on that rooftop yeah and so you're out looking the, the miami beach and then because it's a free party people mm. just show up and it goes on for she starts in the afternoon and it just goes until people want to stop, basically. And when, and when the sun, I mean, it's the first one that I'd experienced. And when the sun goes down, it's such a nice feeling. And it's just such a, 
I remember having this moment looking out when the sun was going down across like Miami and I love Miami as well and listening to trance on a rooftop in Miami during Miami Music Week it was it was warm we were like in t-shirts like it was just perfect you know and I think that was as, as, as good as the like the reception was in terms of me DJing and, and everyone who was there like it was just fun whether I was DJing or not like that would have been a party I would have been at anyway it was just it was super fun and I, and I was talking to Christina a lot about this year's party that was meant to happen obviously right. um, and obviously it didn't go ahead but uh, things were things were looking really epic for this year's party as well so as soon as we're allowed to hopefully next year if, we, if it's back on then I think it's going to be fantastic another another fantastic one right yeah and uh, Christina's actually a friend of mine and has been a guest on this podcast so um, oh cool yeah, I'm I need to for- check in with her actually. I want to see how she's doing because I haven't spoken to her in ages, and and I hope she's I hope she's doing all right. I the last I checked, she is, but um, and she's been doing some live streams and cool stuff during uh-huh. time uh-huh. off. So I'm excited cool. to see what she has brewing. But yeah, what what another thing I think what's cool about that party? Maybe it was the vibes, the fact that it was everybody that well, it's Miami Music Week, but I think that party. Be- everybody's just there to enjoy the music and enjoy hanging out. And because it's Miami music week and everybody's coming together for the music, everybody just wants to like meet and chill. And yeah, I mean, everybody stops by that party at some point that day, if they can, (laughs) like that's, that's the thing. And that's what I learned. And, And I think it really is testament to Christina for pulling out, you know, some incredible names to come and play on a roof in an intimate environment. And she was saying this year, it was so, this is obviously, as I said before it got cancelled, this year it was so oversubscribed that we're talking about doing a two-tier thing, so making it bigger as well. So it really would have been off the scale. But no, as I said, I think it's a real testament to Christina for, for putting so much love and effort into one party. Um, and also, as you say, like the mu- people are there for the music. You know, there's a lot of Miami Music Week stuff, which is cool because people go because it's Miami Music Week, it's spring break, it's ultra. But with that, it feels like, you know what I mean? It feels like people are really there for the music and for the artists. There's no kind of like, I'm just here to be seen here. Do you know what I mean? I agree. And I think that's why the vibes are so great because, and why, mm. why when it reaches capacity, people are willing to wait in line because they know yeah, yeah. the word gets out that like, yeah. that's the party to kind of, it's totally different from all the other parties. And plus it's yeah. kind of a day slash evening party. People, cause I kind of left early to go to Ferry's party. But we would have stayed there uh, yeah. had we yeah, not yeah, already, yeah. <laughs> excuse me, gone to other parties. So anyway. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Um, so uh, what I wanted to kind of talk about before we kind of dive into your new album and the music that you're producing is kind of get your background into why trance and why progressive trance and kind of what made you fall in love with the genre and kind of mm-hmm. your background in music. Well, it's interesting because um, you know I, I'll 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 praise well, it. I'll begin by saying like here in I'm in London right now, and this is where I was born, and this is where I, was, I grew up. I've had the, the 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 so much fun traveling the world and stuff. But prior to traveling, like there there is no trance and there is no progressive in London. Like it's very few and far between. So if you're in London and you and you want to do this kind of music, it's very difficult to seek it out. It's not on the radio anywhere. So actually for me, it's not like I was a teenager or a 20 something year old growing up with surrounded by trance and big festivals with you know, EDM and, and progressive and all that kind of stuff. Because here it's house, it's techno and it's disco. So it's very different. So I really had to seek out trance and progressive for myself. And I was studying, 
I came through the classical music route. So I was a classically trained musician for years um, uh, through, through my high school finishing and then going on to music um, conservatoire. So, and one in London, which is kind of similar, similar to like Juilliard and, and those ones you have over there. Um, so I went to one here in London called Guildhall and I studied classical music. And actually at the end of that studying period, I kind of, I was kind of done with classical music. I love it. I really love it. But I was done with um, working in, or, or, or I didn't want to work in classical music. I was kind of done with the whole industry of classical music. And I wanted to work in something fresh. I wanted to do something in electronic music. And I'd always DJed like on the side. I'd done my mates, like my friends parties at school, like their 16th, their 18th. And then when I was at music college, we had a student union. Um, so it's like where everyone goes and hangs out in the evening and like has a drink and we used to hold parties there. So I used to DJ there and I was like, you know, the, 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 the classical music kid DJing, like <laughs> it was DJing like commercial stuff, but, um, you know, that was where I was getting my dance music fix, basically my electronic fix. Um, and kind of when I graduated, um, I was, I, I had no real plans to be a DJ. I had no real plans to be a producer and particularly hadn't discovered trance or progressive by that point. So I was quite a, I guess what they call a late bloomer in this industry. Cause I was 23, 24 before I really discovered the sound that I wanted to do. And that only came about. And it's funny, you should mention it earlier that I was on group therapy last week, but it was literally listening to above and beyond's um, group therapy radio show. Cause like I said, and the reason why I said there's no, trance or progressive here on the radio and like mainstream radio here in the UK now. So you really have to go and seek it out. And I think I was in the gym and I was just like looking through new podcasts and I kind of heard of a bum beyond. I was like, Oh, I think I know those guys. So I put it on and I was like, Oh my gosh, like, what is this music? This is incredible. And, and as I say, I, it wasn't like I was that young. I was in my early twenties. So yeah, that, that's kind of the short story. Anyway, and, and from there I, I got more and more into it and I, discovered this whole uh you know community that was out there and that i realized that the walls of london were tiny and the walls of the uk were it was tiny relatively you know because i looked across the pond where you guys are in america and saw like how amazing this kind of music was doing so i really as i said I had to seek out myself and then from that point onwards i started producing i kind of decided to go down that route started playing you know with different ideas and melodic ideas and I just listened to group therapy and then a state of trance and then, you know, all the other main ones every single week. And, uh, I just, you know, I listened and listened and listened to stacks of music and, um, eventually, you know, Farius was born, I guess, but, um, that was quite a long answer to your, <laughs> to your question. But, no, it's, um, it's great, but it's, it's, it kind of sparked something in me while I was listening because I, I've always had this theory and I've talked about this theory with a lot of other friends that are in trance, I kind of see trance as the classical music mm. of electronic music. So it's interesting yeah. that you come from that background because well, yeah. it, it's, it's kind of, because it, it focuses on the melody and yeah. the, the inspiring ways within music more than just the beats. So I, I think that kind of probably why I don't know, maybe you were, you were drawn to it, but. I think, uh, I think you're right. And I, and, and I think um, I kind of, I have exactly the same. Um, I, I agree totally with you, but like it, it is the classical music of, of dance and electronic music because the melody is, is the one thing that carries trance over rhythm. 
Um, yeah, and also the other thing is like when I, when I was in classical music, I was always like I always enjoyed, and I don't want to go down a whole classical music hole, but I always enjoyed big sounding classical music. You know when they have like big orchestras, big yes. big like horn sections, like big percussion, big strings, like everything, like eighteen foot deep, like big organs, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and it kind of makes sense. I mean, I enjoyed like the small nuances of like early Baroque and early classical music, like the small chamber stuff. But for me, um, you know, big sounding, you know, I'm talking about composers like Verdi, like Elgar, Mahler, all this really lush, beautiful, melodic and, um, you know, emotional music, you know. And if you take what I've just said, you know, that is basically trance music. It's big, it's lush, it's melodic and it's, emotional but it's electronic so it kind of I, I can see the parallel and and how my subconscious went um in that in that respect um and there's nothing to say that i'm you know i have a great appreciation for all kinds of all forms of dance music and i think that is the key to being a successful producer is appreciating many many other genres you know i do appreciate deep house techno you know the rhythmic elements and stuff you know i used to be a drummer when i was like 13 years old so i have that like rhythm in me as well but um i know where my heart is and that's certainly in big melodic music right and uh i think like you were talking about the big orchestra sounding mm. music i mean i come from i played saxophone for 17 years like i cool. started and and i i mostly before i got into like the athletic band so more like marching band I was in concert band. And so I think I've grown to appreciate, I had grown to appreciate as I was learning music theory and um, more about music as I got older to that kind of, I was mostly, when I was performing, I was in orchestra. I was in like a concert band setting. So I, I, I kind of feel like people don't appreciate that type of music unless you're really into classical yeah. or, or opera yeah. or, go yeah. to plays or anything in the theater. So, yeah. um, no, you're right. You're it's, right. it's, it's interesting because a lot of people, there's been a lot of debate about trance over the years, specifically probably in recent years, because some people view as it made a comeback. Some people think, um, it's siloed in its own like little way, yeah. but the cool thing, that everybody agrees on that likes trance is you like trance because you you love the music that it's not it's probably one of the only genres in dance music where you're you have to really love it like <laughs> i think you're right you know and i think it's you know the i've i've heard forever here in the uk it's like our oh, trance is going to come back soon it's going to come back it's going to come back and it's like for me like yeah as i said like it wasn't accessible i.e it's not mainstream it's not like you can't literally like hear trance wherever you want to hear it like you have to go and seek it out and find it but it's yeah i mean it, it, it's it's a it's such a it's such a feeling you know and it's such a it's because it's not something that people just want to be seen at those kind of parties back to what we we're talking about christina's party like you have to really love it to enjoy it um and you have to really get into it and because it's not accessible and it's not mainstream here. When you do find people who are into it, you really connect with them. I, I have, you know, I've 
it's taken me a long time. You know, all of my closest friends, the friends I play soccer with, the friends that I hang out, who I went to like college with and school with, they all love house. They love house and they love disco. And I like that stuff. But like, I'm forever wanting to find friends who have a love for trance, you know? And at, and at the same time as, you know, the way it's evolved and what you were just talking about, like, I can't really vouch as somebody, I was, I honestly was never, I, I kind of, I was very aware of trance in the early 2000s. I'm, I'm 32. So I, I do remember it when I was in my teenage years as like this, this thing, but like, it wasn't something that I was able to go and attend, but I was, I, was, I knew it was there, but I was never in the, I guess I'm not a purist. Is that the right word, Brooke? <laughs> like I'm not a, um, I'm not somebody, I mean, I love it. I really, I really enjoy it. And I've been to old school trance raves. I went to one recently here in, in London on New Year's and that was cool. But like my love for trance came about with Above and Beyond and their sound and Anjuna Beats and Enhanced Progressive and, uh, you know, Our Mind and those kind of record labels. Do you know what I mean? So the, the stuff that's kind of, the stuff that I produce now, like, 128 130 132 bpm that kind of stuff like not to say i don't love the the the, the faster stuff but um that's that's kind of where that was my entry into it for sure yeah i mean we're the same age but my i found it when i was in well actually i would have to say that i found trance in the late 90s but didn't know that's what it was called there was like no yeah. labels back then there was no yeah. sub genres it was all just called yeah music yeah. so like i was listening like one of my first tracks i ever heard was robert miles children and oh yeah uh paul van dyke and stuff like that and Goriella. Mm. so mm. i remember hearing it from like from afar because back then that's when uh dance music was the internet was like mm. becoming a thing but like i really got into it because there used to be fm radio stations in the u.s solely for dance type music mm. those since got shut down like in the early 2000s but i remember like really loving it and it was i was like one of the only people that was really into that kind of music <clears throat> excuse me yeah and so yeah i could see how it's it's interesting and a lot of i i remember actually listening to above and beyond when it was trans around the world because that's kind of like the first one of the first podcasts in dance music that was like on the internet back then so yeah you see, and that's where, that's where I fall short because I've got friends who are more trance purist friends and they go, you don't even, you don't remember like Tiesto when he was making trance and you don't remember trance around the world before group therapy. And I'm like, I don't. But, um, you know, it's, I've had a few nice experiences of rediscovering that kind of sound. But at the time, I was so dedicated to classical music. So it was really difficult to escape into that because I just had a very sole focus. So... Yeah, I was I was on a very different path to you, I think, back in like the early 2000s. Which is fine. I mean, I, that's the other thing that is I, I find kind of negative in the scene, not to bring it down for a second, but the fact that people kind of, I don't know if it's shame or kind of like try to prove their, their allegiance to when they found it. Yeah. I mean, you found it at some point. Isn't that like should, what we should be excited about instead yeah. of like when you found it and the exact well, and, time and also i have to say there's you it's interesting you mentioned shame because having as i alluded to earlier having grown up in london where or, or you know certainly in my early 20s when trance has really not been a thing here at all you know i remember i like i tell people people like oh you're a music producer cool man like what do you what do you produce or what do you you're a dj what do you play and i'm like 
trance and they're like oh okay like and they just like their eyes widen a little bit and they <laughs> and they take a step away like if you're at a party because i think like it's so it's considered so not cool here and unless you make techno or house here you're deemed like okay i don't know I, that, like it's just something i don't want to get involved with that's the kind of the way they think and i remember actually one ade in amsterdam a few years back and I went to a Ferry Corson party with my then manager at the time. And it, we went quite late. We were at another party before. We went there at like midnight, one, two, something like that. And it was like, it had already got to like, like, like 136, 137, like banging, banging, trance, trance, trance. And, uh, and I remember like thinking to myself, okay, when I tell people I make trance, this is what, this is what they think I make. And I don't make anything near this. So I kind of, I can understand now, I understand. And, 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 and as you were talking about shame earlier, like there has, I have almost been embarrassed at some points, you know, at some parties and some, in some social circles to say, I like trance or I produce trance because people just don't get it. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, you know, melodic progressive stuff, you know, but it is really trance, you know? So um, yeah, it's interesting. Well, yeah, I think it's funny that with the popularity of techno because i like house i like techno uh it's funny that a lot of the parties are even like if you even the big names in techno they throw mm. in trance tracks but well, now, every, yeah and everybody calls it melodic techno and i'm like oh, that's <laughs> trance it's that's what trance is it's i guess i guess it begs the wider question of like genres and how they are uh you know even more so than ever i think sort of uh diluting into each other and i have no issue with that i think yes conversationally now it's quite nice to be able to know what each other are talking about but in, in an ideal world it would be really nice if we could just like lose the labels i think that is a metaphor in life generally but in music it would be great if we could just lose the labels of like who makes what so when i tell someone i make trance they don't go oh my god he must make like 138 bpm stuff oh my god do you know what i mean it would just be nice just to be like okay cool let's just appreciate everything for what it is I agree. That's why I think I, I kind of wish I could go back in time. I mean, I was a lot younger, so that for, for some things, because I feel like when I started listening to the dance music, a, a, AKA trance, there was no like label. It was like, yeah, you knew you, you felt like, like if it, you just followed the artist, you followed the track. And yeah, then it, over the years, it's become everything has to be labeled into a genre or subgenre. And, and then, I think, but I think that's, yeah, sorry, carry on. No, what I was just going to say is that I think also with the popularity of music festivals and having to place yeah. a, a stage for every genre, yeah, that's also kind of, in my opinion, kind of kept people from being a little bit more open-minded. I think, I think we, when anything becomes um, very commercialized, you know, and, and that's what happened to dance music, as, as it, it needed to in 2010, 2011, when the industry was basically collapsing because of digital, everything was going digital and the, the music industry slept, slept walked into this like financial nightmare on top of the world financial crash as well. I think like when, when it became so commercialized and America uh, really embraced dance music, like when Beatport launched and they had to start categorizing everything. And you, as you say, like you went, you go to a festival, every stage is categorized and like, I get it that's what that's what people need sometimes they need to be feel safe in a bubble you know knowing that they like this and they are going to go to that and they're going to download this you know because this is that i get that and i, and I don't think it's going to change overnight but 
it would be cool if we could be more um at ease with with the ideas of genres being a little bit less restrictive right i agree and i mean i will i have admitted on many of my episodes and people probably know me who who have heard me talk about it i'm not the biggest side trans fan because mm. it gives me a headache <laughs> but i don't tell people not to listen to it if they like it that's what sure. i that's what i oh, i'm getting out of the shame thing is like music and it's an art form not everybody's gonna like the same styles and genres but what's what i don't understand is sometimes in the scene it's like oh you like trans like (laughs) (laughs) and so i'm like it's one of those things where i just wish kind of people would chill about like what type of music you like but nonetheless so to kind of go back um we've we've mentioned uh kind of your your journey into it but i kind of want to talk about I, I listened to your brand new album last week. Uh, oh, cool! Did not skip a track, which oh, means cool! Well, that's a good sign. It's it's such a great, easy listening. I mean, I listened to it while I was at work. Like I work from home right now during all of this, but it was just so such a great like get me through the day kind of. Um, oh, thank you. That's great. Um, you know, that's really nice to hear that. And I'm, I'm not just saying that because we're talking. I, I mean, it's mm. it's. People, I, I, that's why I shared it on my Instagram and all that stuff, because I felt that people kind of do need a, if they're not really into progressive trance as much, or they're just kind of learning about this music, maybe through friends or whatever, mm. they, they might be surprised uh, <laughs> about how they do like it. So when you were kind of talk about like the production, let's kind of go a little bit deeper into your production of this album, because like I said, it's, we've been trying to talk for about a year now and a lot has happened. So. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, the album only um, kind of started taking shape when I was, um, I, I did September. I mean, I w- I've been putting out singles on Zero Three, which is the label I was doing a lot of stuff on before. But um, a lot of that stuff was... Uh, was great but the label understandably like the the label is kind of going in a different direction they were going a bit deeper a bit more less less progress like more progressive more away from my guests the trancier sounds the big room sounds let's call it big room um and i was at ade in amsterdam and i was playing there at this event called united in prog which was zero three color eyes which is also another deep progressive label and silk music which i'm sure you're aware of as well and uh, when i got back from ade um I was acutely aware that I had done one record already on Enhanced Progressive, which was called Be Somebody. It was a big kind of like gritty baseline thing. It got a state of trance. It got ABGT support and everything. So it was great. And I really felt like I had really uh, arrived at a particular sound. I always had worked so hard to try and produce that big gritty baseline sound on my, on my records and that big swirling, the big swirling drops and stuff like that. And anyway, I was, uh, in London and I met with Will Holland who is the um, director of Enhanced Music Tritonal's label and which is and Colorize is a sub label of that and um, we were just we were just talking and, and he said you know look I, I said look I want to I want to keep producing the trance sound I love doing stuff on Enhanced what's going on here like is there room to do some more stuff with you guys and he basically said do you want to do an album and that took me so by surprise. I was like, I just, I just never thought I would be ready for an album. I never thought I was ready or never thought, I, I thought I might, might have to reach a certain point in my career. And then it's like, okay, now you're ready for an album. But I didn't realize I would be. So to have someone like Will, who I've respected for many, many years as, as a label boss, 
and uh, on on a label like Enhance, which I've always had always dreamt of doing more stuff on, um, to say, do you want to do an album? I, I snapped at it. So um, that was November last year, and then from there, I'd already done a couple of records, uh, Be Somebody, and then I did um, one called Miami Love, um, which came out in November as well, around the same time. And this opportunity came up, and I just jumped at it and like it's been such a it's been such a wonderful focus to have over the last couple of months and this was also before pre uh, the coronavirus covid situation so i'd already started writing this and focusing on this album in november december um uh, through january february and it kind of all came together where are we now june so it kind of all came together at the end of april um and it came, yeah yeah end of april because we needed a month to sort of pitch and schedule it and um yeah i mean what can I say? It's, it's doing well. I'm really happy with it. It's um, when I started out, you know, when I started giving it some more thought after Will had offered it to me, I thought, yeah, what do I want to do on an album? How do I want to represent myself? And it can be kind of daunting because I was like, I don't want this to be like, I don't want people to see this as like, wow, this is Farius's in the embodiment of his life's work in an album. It's not like that. I'm not a singer songwriter. I'm not pouring out my love, my heart, you know, all that kind of stuff from previous relationships experience. This is a musical journey. This album is the reason why I call it from the start is it, it, it feels like I finally arrived at a place from the first time I sent my very first demo to enhance and then Juno beats when I was 20 something in, in 2013 or whatever it was. I've now arrived and I'm doing an album. So I think in the culmination of the last seven years, this is, this is the culmination of it. It's certainly not the end of it. It's certainly not like I've arrived and this is it. You know, it's like, this is just where I'm at right now musically. Um, and I also want, and you'll hear, as I'm sure you'll, it's very kind of you to say you listen to the whole thing. There are different sounds on there. There are slightly different styles on there. You've got some more, slightly more proggy, progressive stuff with Always Returning to Him. You've got a synth wavy track with Kyle Reynolds. Trances, which is 132 BPM, more trancey and banging, and and then you just kind of classic classic Farrier stuff. So I did want to showcase that I'm a versatile musician, I'm a versatile producer, um, and I hope that's come across. I I think it did, but then again, a lot of people go, well, that's that's because Brooke, you like music, and I'm like, well, <laughs> still. Um, but it kind of sparked something in me. We didn't actually kind of talk about not to take away from the album, but is there a reason why, like, how did Farias come about as, as your uh, as, artist as name? Me, me, as me is now. Yeah. Um, so I was producing, I started, as I, as I was saying, I'll pick up where I left off. I left music college. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be a DJ or a producer. I was writing bits and stuff and music on the piano, but not like electronically. Um, I basically started producing as in like, I, I got my first copy of Logic, like in 2013 or something like that. So really, really re recently, relatively speaking, recently, 2013, 2014. And basically what I did is I started doing bootlegs of commercial tracks, like commercial big room bootlegs, not like trance. I didn't know it was trance I wanted to do, just like big room stuff. So I was making stuff that was just sounded epic. Swedish House Mafia, Zed, Madian, that kind of stuff. And I was doing commercial stuff. I did a bootleg of, I don't know if you've heard of Ellie Goulding. She's a, she's a singer. Yes, I love UK. her. I've seen her I live. Did a bootleg. <laughs> oh, amazing. Yeah. I did a bootleg of her track Burn. Um, and it, it got in the hands of this agent uh, guy who, who reps commercial remixes. And he took me on and he was like, you can fill a spot on my sort of EDM side. And then I just, from there, I started remixing again. Like, I don't know if his name is meaning to you, but I did um, someone called Foxes. I did Paloma Face. 
Um, and then I went on to do a, um, a British artist called Ollie Murs, years and years, so I'm sure you may be aware of. So basically I started remixing commercial acts, commercial artists for, com for major labels like Sony, Atlantic, Warner. Um, and I was just doing this and I, was, I kind of became a bit of a sausage factory. I was just like churning out the same mix for the same, the same people. And it was like, it's got to sound like this and it's got to get on Radio 1. It's got to get on this. It's got to get on this playlist. It's gotta... And I was just like, do you know what? I'm done. I'm not done with it, but I need to do something that um, fulfills my own creativity. And I started writing bits and bobs just on my own, listening to a lot of group therapy, a lot of a state of trance, then discovering artists like Ilan Bluestone, like, you know, Andrew Bayer, um, like Dawn Gaventi, you know, those ones in Enhanced Progressive, Sound Prank, or the Alex Klingle, those guys. And, um, I was just—I had all this kind of work, like I had the bits and bobs, and I was working as a, in a studio somewhere. And I turned to my friend, and I was like, "What about the name Farius? Like, what do you think? Like, I wanted this original project. What, what do you think?" And he was like, "Yeah, it sounds sick." And from there, it's just kind of snowballed. Um, so yeah, that was the kind of route into it, my original work. But yeah, it's not like um, you know, I just picked up a, a copy of Logic and started writing music under Farius. I, I had a couple of years, you know, making making money out of writing or, or remixing commercial artists in the commercial world. So did you consider it more of an alias at first? Yeah, it certainly was an alias because I tried to build up, build up my name, Adam Turner as, as a, as a remixer, as like a successful remixer. And arguably I was, I was doing well. I was getting stuff played on here in the UK on things like Kiss FM, Radio One, you know, everything was, everything was really cool, but it certainly wasn't. And I still do refer to it with my friends as like, it's my alias. It's my monkey because it's, um, um, but, but that said, over the last couple of years, I've had to really embrace <laughs> the idea of being Farius because um, I remember the first couple of gigs I was getting booked for as Farius was in Cologne in Germany. And like all these people come up and be like, hey, Farius. And I'd be like, who the, f oh, it's me. Oh, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like people were like, hey, Farius, Farius. I was like, oh, I guess, wow, I, I am Farius, you know? Um, so uh, yes, it was an alias, but now, I mean, I don't really do anything under Adam Turner anymore. I kind of, I, I do, I do bits of um, production work, writing work, like, but non, non-credited like stuff, but well, not certainly not under Farris, you know, it's like, so yeah, I've been very protective as well over my Farris stuff. I've been very hyper aware that it's my sound. No one's going to tell me how it's got to sound or, or what, where, what playlist it's got to get on. I'm just going to write my own music for me. And, and I've just done an album. So it's a bit, <laughs> it's a bit crazy. But yeah, that, that, was, that was the start of it. Do, do you, from your perspective, being in the industry, do you believe having to choose, well, not having to choose, but understanding like a name to release it on and having that freedom of what type of art you want to make and get out to the world is important? What I mean by that is I've heard other artists that I've talked to on this podcast or just in mm. passing that a lot of I get the feeling that having to be so formulaic in terms of like having to you mm. tick the boxes yeah and and mm. and like you said you started doing remixing and then it became more of a job yeah, than something you it, yeah. were really into yeah is it do you think it's because of the way the industry has kind of gone down that route where like you have to stick to the yeah what we know you for as opposed to to a certain extent, yeah. To a certain extent, yes. And listen, I think if you want to make money, if you want to make a living, 
out of producing music at some point you're going to do have to do something you don't want to do i i think no one literally goes from buying their first copy of logic or ableton producing their first record having it a smash hit in 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 80 countries around the world and then touring and doing whatever you want to do in whatever style you want to do. Okay, that might happen to 0.01% of DJs. And I'm thinking someone like Martin Garrix or someone like that. But for the rest of us, and there's a lot of us out there, if you want to make a living in this industry and not be crunching numbers uh, in an office somewhere, that you know, a job that you really hate and you don't want to do, but you just want to be producing music, you've got to do stuff that you don't want to do. And that for me was doing, I, I did enjoy it. My, oh my God, I, did, I loved doing these remixes at first. It was so exciting, you know, remixing someone like Paloma Faith, who's this global superstar, like working with her vocals was insane. It was so much fun. But yeah, I think, I think to, in answer to your question, creatively, when you start out, you're going to have to do stuff that you don't want to do. And that's my experience anyway, but I mean, essentially it could, it could work. I mean, yes, you could strike this incredible lucky gold note where, you know, you, you just do something that you wanted to do and then you just run with it and do whatever you want to do. But I think at some point anyway, someone in your management or at your label or somewhere will be like, Hmm, you know what? Your last record was like this. Let's do something like that. And if you go, no, I want to do this. I want to go in a completely different direction. Then they might say, well, it's not time. It's time for us to not, not work with you because there are people in this industry who want to make money. And then you've got to remember that. Like there are people in this industry who this is what the, the most of the industry survives on. You know, it's money. It's not so much love. Um, and and eventually, you know, the the the, you know, push is going to come to shove, and you're going to have to accommodate that in some way. Unless, as I say, if you're Martin Garrix, if you're Calvin Harris. David Guetta, you know, you, you, you're going to be able to do whatever you want to do, but there are a lot smaller artists out there like me who are, who are making a living out of it, but you know, you, you've just got to be open-minded. So along those kind of lines, what is your theory on ghost producing in the <laughs> industry? Because I've talked, I had, I talked to Ben Gold on this podcast and he yeah. kind of explains that he, he got his start as a ghost producer and then was able to start releasing music under his name. Mm. So I mean, I'm yeah. not opposed to somebody who's talented enough and is willing to make a living through that route. But a part of me doesn't like the, it's like a, a fine line between why don't you just release it under your name or an alias yeah. as opposed to wanting to like sell it to somebody because then that person's going to get the credit for your work. I don't know. Maybe that's just my, I think the, I have, I have zero interest in, hanging out or meeting anybody who um who who offers ghost production work in in the term in in the, in the very strict terms of i produce this for you you buy it off me you release it under your name and i say nothing about doing it i think that's bullshit i'm allowed to say bullshit i think that's bullshit like yeah. I, I i like i don't i don't think that's cool i think that it is, it's not ruining the industry but i think it's a disappointing side of the industry um which which is crap i in my day job, like when I'm not, uh, well, by and large in the last couple of years, like when I'm not doing stuff under Farius, I do work for other DJs. I do mix downs, I do composition and stuff, but there's no pretense of like, I'm a ghost producer. I would never refer to myself as a ghost producer. I just help other people make their records sound like finished records. And that's been going on for years. Like engineers have done that for years. Producers have done that for years. Like it took me a long time as well when I started out to realize that it's okay 
to not do everything on your own. It's okay to ask other people for help. It's okay to ask other people to work on a track with you. Like it's cool. Like there's nothing wrong with that. In terms of ghost production though, like I, I, it does, it, it doesn't sit very comfortably with me. This idea of like huge, huge DJs. I don't have any proof or anything of, I know there are all these rumors about blah, blah makes blah, blah's records or whatever. I try not to entertain it too much because I kind of feel like if you're in this industry and you have no talent, you're going to get found out at some point. <laughs> like that's the way I feel about like, if you don't know how to click a mouse in logic, one day, if you get to the top, you're going to get found out. And, and, and that's, that's my honest opinion of it. Um, and, and I don't, and I don't, yeah, as I say, I, I just don't really entertain the idea of, of this whole ghost production thing. I think it's crap. I think it's, um, yeah, I think working with other people is fine, but, but producing some, something to be silent on it is, is not okay. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't like Ben Gold's a, is a great person, but what I, I don't want to downplay the people that have done it to make a living within the industry, mm. but at the same time, I feel like there's gotta be another way. Like you said, yeah. you can work with other people and maybe they pay you to help with something, but that's normal though. That, you know, that's, yeah. so when I, when I, um, in about 2015 ish, 2016, I started working as, as an assistant in a studio for, for, for another dude. Now he's never, he would never say he's a ghost producer, but he mixes down and he, and he works with Mark Knight, Proc and Fitch, um, you know, uh, he's now doing stuff with like basement jacks. Um, you know, he does stuff. He's an, he's an engine, he's a producer and an engineer and he's legitimate. He's never, ever like, I'm a ghost producer. Anyway, I started working for him and it opened my eyes, this idea that, okay, you can do work for other people and it's not ghost producing. It's, you know, you people like a lot of people get their stuff mixed down by, by engineers and producers. Like there's, there's no shame in that. Um, I personally on my stuff, like I do all my own farrier stuff. Like I do all of it myself. I get it mastered by, by mastering engineers and just like just a one file, like a stereo master. But um, yeah, listen, this is an, in, an industry and we want it to be as best possible. And no, none of those people, Mark Knight, those guys, none of them would deny that they have other people touch their records. Like it's not a big secret. It, you know, there's no shame in it. People mix stuff down. It happens all the time. Right. So maybe I kind of feel that the, the, we'll see. I mean, a lot of people want to call people who do that out. I don't, I'm not. And I mean, Ben explained it in his episode, so I'm not trying to do anything. But maybe it's also with the industry and dance music, how it feels like nowadays you can't just be a DJ or you can't just be a producer. You have to do both. And I know yeah. you do both, but I, wanna, mm. I wanted to bring this up because we've talked about on this podcast, we talk about mental health in the industry. Like we talked about it with Ben and, and some other people and with everybody, I feel at this point knows the tragic story of Avicii. So yeah. what are your thoughts on why people like spreading yourself too thin? Like Avicii didn't want to be a DJ. He wanted just to produce mm. music, but because his tracks and the people he surrounded himself said, no, you got to like tour get on the road yeah yeah it, it and it wasn't it ended his life basically so hmm. what are your thoughts going i know you travel and you, you you tour but you do spend a lot of time in the producing and, and then like we just hmm. talked about your new album and and where you've come from what hmm. are your thoughts on on how the industry requires both as opposed to choosing one or the other i think i mean i do know um i do know 
as I was just saying, the, the, the guy that I used to work for like in his studio, he is solely a producer and he has zero interest in DJing. I think he did DJ when he was like younger, but he just produces now. And there are a lot of people who, who do just produce. But if you, if you want to be, if you want to earn a million bucks a gig or if you want to earn a million bucks a year, you're probably going to have to be f- some kind of famous DJ, you know? And um, that's, that's where the money is. The money's in live. We know that in, 2000, in the early 2000s, when everything started getting digital, that money started falling out of downloads. Not, sorry, not even downloads. Money started falling out of physical sales of, of music. So everything shifted across. It's not just dance music. Even in the pop world, everything shifted across to live. So if you want to make a lot of money, you're going to have to get out of the studio and be on the road. In terms of in terms of mental health, um, I think it's a conversation that I'm really pleased that we're all having now because I think it's something that has been silent for far too long. Um, and I think, so in my experience, I thrive. Like I love, I get inspired by traveling. So I, so I know, and I and I, listen. There's no, I don't have any kind of tour schedule like Avicii's or like Swedish House Mafia's or like you know Calvin Harris's. Like I have nothing like that. I don't have that lifestyle. Um, but I think all I can say is from my perspective, in terms of like producing, it's a solitary, you have to like be okay with being like in solitary confinement. You have to be okay with yourself. You have to be okay dealing with your own thoughts and spending a lot of time by yourself in a room by yourself with nobody else for a long time. Now for some people that doesn't work and I, can, I get why that doesn't work. But for other people that's okay. But basically what I do and what I learned to do a few years back was to fill my time when I'm not in the studio with seeing other people. So I would fill my diary, my calendar with like, okay, Tuesday evening, I'm going to go to the, the movies with a friend. Wednesday, I'm going to have dinner with a friend. Thursday, I'm going to play soccer with some friends. So I just knew that I would be seeing people. Do you know what I mean? Because otherwise, right. if you don't see anybody, I think it can, it can take its toll. Because I literally, I get up, I go to a room, I produce music by myself, and I switch it off at 6pm or whatever. And, and then what? And then I'm like, okay, now what do I just... And I live by myself as well. So it's like, well, now do I just go and watch the TV by myself and go to bed by myself? Like that, I think if you do that days on end, then that can play on your mental health, for sure. Um, but uh, like I say, I don't have any experience talk about um the, the hectic travel schedules and tour schedules i mean i i've, I've done it like last uh, i don't think i saw you in arizona but i did i played in phoenix um in september i did these sadly three crazy i had to nights. miss that because of work but yeah <laughs> i i did a thursday in new york i did a friday in phoenix and i did a saturday in um my god uh wisconsin milwaukee and then sunday in los angeles and that's like i i buzz off that i absolutely loved it i for a start, I'm an aviation geek, so I love planes. <laughs> so I love getting on a plane. I love flying. I love meeting new people. As I was saying, I love new experiences. That ex- inspires me. You know, going from chilly New York to like, I think it was like 109 degrees in, in Phoenix when I arrived, yep. to going to playing on a beach in, in, uh, in Milwaukee, uh, to going to LA. Like, I love that. I really thrive off that. But I don't do that every weekend. I don't do that every weekend. So I can't vouch for the DJs who do that every weekend. And that must be taxing and, and it must take a real toll on your mental health for sure. Um, and let's not also forget that we work in an industry which thrives off endorphins. It, it thrives off people being happy, euphoric, having a good time, enjoying themselves. So if you're the guy who's meant to be providing that every time, there's a lot of pe- pressure that's expected on you. Do you know what I mean? If you're going to gigs and like everybody wants you to be Oh my God, Varys. Hey, how you doing? Oh my God. And if it's your fourth night on the trot, you're probably going to be like, do you know what? I'm just, I'm, I'm done with this. And imagine if it's your 60th night on the trot, you're definitely going to be done with it. So I, so I understand. 
I can sympathize, but I can't empathize, if that makes sense. Right. I, 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 just, I bring that up because um, I just think it's an important conversation for people to have. It is, definitely, feel. definitely. And, you know, I've talked about it in my life that's not even, I've had issues in the past and music's been my way to like survive yeah. my issues. So, but when you're in the industry and, it, and I, it's got to be crazy, like you mentioned about touring and, and who, like, I, I just feel for the, like, like a fairy or a lot of these people that have family, like Armin. I mean, they're, yeah. like, I, I, I kind of just hope this, other other I wish it was a different circumstance. I kind of hope that maybe this time off that everybody's had has yeah. been great for the industry going forward because yeah. it might change people's perspective of like how, like maybe I don't yeah. have to do like 20 gigs a month. Maybe I, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? And, and maybe kind of open that conversation and, and maybe mentor other people be like, okay, I did this for 20 years, but it's obviously not, the way that I would suggest or maybe it is I don't know yeah. I would have to talk to them but I just was curious about your thoughts being in the industry so um before we uh sign off because I don't want to keep you too long um I going forward do you have any I know you can't really talk about maybe if you're working on something else specifically but are, are you looking to do more albums or are you looking to stick to uh singles I know we're in this part of the industry where people either feel like they have to choose between one or the other but <laughs> um, yeah, right. I mean, you going know what? forward, it's been, it's been weird because this album has been such an eye opener for me that I, as I said to you earlier, like I never thought I would be ready, or I certainly didn't think I was ready to do an album when it was offered to me by Enhanced. And um, I think you know they've they've made it kind of clear that they would love to do another. I don't have any nothing's on paper, but they they would love to do another album, you know, maybe next year or something. And to be honest, right now I'm just I'm just kind of I'm taking it easy. Like the album was good it i don't feel i mean listen maybe tomorrow i'll wake up with burnout but i don't feel like i burnt myself out doing it like i just enjoyed it i enjoy doing an album i guess you know as every producer does i want to explore moving into a, a, a you know shifting into a new lane musically perhaps you know um i'm not saying that you know i'm leaving everything behind and doing something completely different but you know, I did on the album really enjoy doing particularly like the synth wave stuff, that track I did with Kyle way back when, you know, I loved producing that, you know, so, so, you know, just trying to develop my sound, move my sound on and just build, you know, I've had, I've had such, honestly, this album has been really genuinely hot. I've had so many, it's warmed my heart to have so many. And I, I was saying to Will, the boss at Enhance, I was like, I never expected to have such incredible feedback from 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 people followers who uh you know who have been listening to it i've had some really beautiful messages and instagram messages and facebook messages and emails and it's just i just never expected it because like i just always produced music for me it was never for anybody else as i say growing up in london when trance wasn't big this was like i just want to do this for me and it's you know to have also have the support of armin of above and beyond of the, your idols has been that's been mad as well and um so yeah i'm enjoying that bit i'm just kind of just focusing on on building building my sound um honing it and and seeing what i can do with it um i think another album certainly would be cool uh, yeah, a couple of remixes on in the pipeline as well um which is cool um yeah i think i think an album at some point i'll do some more singles but i might think about doing an album again next year but um looking forward to getting back on the road i have to say as well like obviously like with the current situation you know no one's been playing any shows understandably um so I'm kind of looking forward to that getting going again. I would love to be out in America touring this album right now, but um, obviously that's that's not happening. But who knows? You know, I've got a tentative date in October in New York, but I'm not 
I'm 50, 50 on where that's going to head, go ahead. So we'll have to wait and see. Awesome. Um, mm. So not to segue from the music, but I kind of want to uh, admit that I, uh, I was actually going to, before I had to cancel, but I was at, like, I'm hugely into coming to visit in London and stuff. Yeah. And I was actually going to be coming to the UK for another type of convention in April, but that got canceled and postponed and it's been rescheduled mm. for next year, but I don't even know if it's still going to happen. Uh, but I'm curious because I was going to try to fit in if there's anything, if that in the future ministry of sound, because oh, yeah. I've heard so much about ministry of sound and they yeah. do book a lot of trance there. They yeah, um, do. They do. They have um, a Friday night called the gallery, which has been long, a long running night been going for over 20 years. And they book a lot of, they kind of mix it up EDM trance, side trance. Um, yeah. You should do it. Definitely. When you're in town, definitely um, swing by. I played there once. I played there in 2017 with Dash Berlin. That was really sick. I had a great time for me. I'm a London boy. It's the equivalent of, I guess, someone from Vegas playing at EDC or someone from Vegas, like who's born up, brought up in Vegas playing at Hakkasan. Do you know what I mean? It's got that kind of way. Or if you're from LA, if you're born and raised in LA, it's like playing at Sound or Exchange or one of those, you know, uh, amazing, you know, institutional clubs. So yeah, playing at Ministry was was insane. They have some really wicked nights. Um, you you just have to make sure you're in town for one of your favorite DJs. Right. Um, well, well, the reason I kind of brought it up is because you mentioned at the beginning when we started talking about how London's not really into yeah or trans, but it's just I I guess maybe because I'm in it, I understand. Like I hear about Ministry of Sound all the time, but I mean, yeah, I mean it is, and it is there. It's over there every Friday, but you might get one Friday, you might get uh, Dash Berlin, and the next Friday you might get Simon Patterson. And then the next Friday you might get rehab. Um, so it's, it's kind of quite, um, it's quite varied. Um, it is there, but you know, the, it doesn't, it's just, it's kind of just a, a thing that happens every Friday, but in terms of like big festivals, big parties, big warehouse stuff, it's all techno and house, you know what I mean? And certainly on the radio, it's all, it's all techno and house and disco. It's interesting. Um, because I always would have, from my perspective being in the U S we always think that like, in terms of dance music, I always thought growing up that like Europe and the UK had it figured out compared to the US. <laughs> so to hear that it's like not a thing there, like in terms of trans, kind of that's I mean, weird to what, me. Like what? Yeah, what I mean is like if if you were going to if the the equivalent of EDC was happening in the UK. Um, and there are obviously big festivals like you wouldn't find a trance tent you would probably wouldn't find a okay that's not to say actually southwest four is a big uh, event is happening this summer it was meant to be happening this summer armin was meant to be playing um but that's what once a year once like in 365 days like otherwise it's not um you know and also europe no europe has some cool stuff holland has some wicked stuff the netherlands has some wicked stuff germany has some wicked stuff um but I think um, the UK lacks, if I'm honest. The UK definitely lacks. Mm. Well, hopefully people will figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I know. But when you're, when you're in London, you've got to let me know. I will. Well, thanks again for joining. And um, I will put links to your album and information in the description. Um, and you're pretty much on all socials at Farious Music, correct? That's it. Farious Music everywhere, pretty much, yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been, it's been really nice just to sort of talk with someone it's really like just you know about trance and about music it's, it's great all right well thanks thanks for having me